to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. ASHP conducted two surveys in late 2021 to better understand how ASHP can promote technician development through the advancement of patient care roles and increased responsibilities and to address recruitment and retention issues within the technician workforce. The executive committee members of the Pharmacy Technician Forum and the section of pharmacy practice leaders met during the 2022 ASHP summer meetings in Phoenix, Arizona to reflect on the key findings identified from these surveys. During this third part of a four-part series, you will hear from Cindy Jeter, Senior Manager of Implementations at McKesson RxO, Lindsay Kelly, Associate Chief of Pharmacy at the University of Michigan Health, Joanne Myrie, Drug Diversion Program Manager at Alina Health and Chair of the ASHP Pharmacy Technician Forum Executive Committee, Jeff Little, Director of Pharmacy and Outpatient Imaging at St. Luke's Health and Chair of the Section of Pharmacy Practice Managers, Jeff Little, Director of Pharmacy and Outpatient Imaging at St. Luke's Hospital in Kansas City, and Chair of the ASHP Section of Pharmacy Practice Leaders Executive Committee, and Mark Sullivan, Associate Chief Pharmacy Officer at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, and Lindsay Amarin, Executive Director of Pharmacy at UNC Health. They will share their reflections on the survey results as they relate to technician job satisfaction, the influence of supervising pharmacists, valuing pharmacy technician staff, and technician career motivations. Now let's transition to the Pharmacy Technician Survey. And as you remember, this survey was sent to pharmacy technicians from ASHP and the PTCB, where pharmacy technicians were asked about their current job satisfaction, career motivators, and reasons to stay or leave their current positions. Over 56% of pharmacy technicians who completed the survey reported strong job satisfaction, with the top contributor to job satisfaction being a desire to help people and patients. Where do you see opportunities for employers to leverage the overwhelming response of technicians' desire to help patients to help sustain and even improve their technicians' job satisfaction? Cindy, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think one of the areas that I see that employers can really make an impact here is offering advanced technician roles, vaccine clinics, decentralized technicians. It's an effective way to get those technicians closer to patients. They do care a lot about their patients and being in healthcare. They chose healthcare, you know, as a profession. So offering special services are an excellent way to uh, not only help our communities, but also help those technicians. You know, in my experience, the more that technicians help patients, the more curious they become, the more they want to know about disease states and the different medications, the more they want to build their skills. They want to be even more helpful. So I think it's a great opportunity for employers to help with that motivation of technicians. And also, you know, many employees find a renewed sense of purpose when they can see the direct impact that they're having. Cindy, I want to build off that for a second. I think what you said about the direct impact is really important. And so one of the things that we hear distinctly from our technicians is that 
the immediate gratification of solving a problem that day is meaningful, right? And I think that's also something we might consider as we think about what areas are, are we know we talk, we talk about what areas are critical or what, be, what might be at risk. We've seen technicians migrate in our institution towards roles where that gratification happens on a regular basis, which is different, I think, than some of the behind the scenes work where you're doing work that supports patient care, you're preparing chemotherapy, you're preparing IVs and you know, performing sterile compounding. But it's much harder to see that and to talk to the patient at the end of the day or to see how you solve a third-party payer adjudication problem. These are things that you can see really readily. And so I think that's something we definitely hear. I really like also for employers the opportunity to tie those things back in the way we regularly talk to and message the work of technicians to tie it back on a regular basis to the patient care that we're providing, the health ecosystem, you know, the things that really do support the role of the technician and highlight um, the importance of technicians in it. The technician survey also reported that 73% of pharmacy technicians identified supervising pharmacists as a contributing factor towards their job satisfaction. What actions do you think administrators and supervisors should take to make pharmacy technicians feel more connected, more valued, and respected? Joanne, do you want to kick us off with this one? Yeah, I'd like to build off of Lindsay a little bit there with this one because connecting that task that they're doing day in and day out when they don't get to see how it impacts the end patient, I think is really important. So in those meetings of department meetings or group meetings of just areas within pharmacies to really work on that communication of you impacted XYZ yesterday when you made this, or when you solved that printer issue, that allowed us to get this met up faster for that patient. And helping to make those connections more visible, I think is a great way for administrators, directors, managers, any leadership role for that matter, even your peer of a pharmacist that you're working with. Anything that we can do to continue to support them, them being the pharmacy technicians, to encourage their engagement, encourage their productivity in a way that is meaningful for them, is what's really going to help tip that scale. And so thinking of ways for outside of the box type tasks. Um, what are non-traditional pharmacy opportunities that you might be able to pull in a technician into a med safety if somebody's really into that check, check, check process and they, they get really excited about catching that one error that they didn't let get by. How can you help them bring that to a nursing pharmacy meeting or a safe med safety meeting or raising that up through a kudos program of some kind so that they can feel the value of the work that they're doing day in and day out and showcase that ability um, is really what's going to help foster that feeling of connection that we've talked about a little bit where people have gone into healthcare for a reason and that sometimes you lose sight of that in things like pandemics and the day-to-day -day grind and the burnout and all of these other stressors that come and so how do you continue to build and foster that a little bit and I think connecting the dots back to what you're doing on a daily basis as mundane sometimes as those tasks feel really have an important impact to our patients. And that's what we're all here for. What about you, Jefferson? What do you think? Yeah, um, thanks. And actually, I'm going to tie this back to what Cindy mentioned in the last question. And it really reminded me of a discussion that we had at our own institution and talking about the same issue of the technician shortage. One of our long-term technicians who's been there over 30 years mentioned that one of the things that she feels like that that we have lost kind of is the 
connection with the connection to the pharmacist, actually. And I think that some of that is an unintended consequence of some of the practice advancement work that we've done. I know at our institution, we've had a big goal of having the technicians really own operations, like everything in central pharmacy. We don't need pharmacists. They're doing a lot of that stuff. It's, it's some, a lot of it is non-judgmental. So we do things like moving the pharmacists out to the bedside as much as we can, and then doing things like IV workflow technology with pictures where pharmacists can be checking stuff without having to be downstairs having tech check tech really it's getting to be where the technicians are owning a lot of that work and it's really elevating the role of the technician but we've lost that connection back to the pharmacist and in some ways that that connection that they felt to patient care so i don't have great answers for this but i can tell you a couple of things that we've tried to do at our institution is one just kind of be intentional about making sure that technicians feel some connection to the floor pharmacists where they are and even and just even knowing what they're doing up there so that the technicians have a better understanding of all of the patient care that's that's going on from the pharmacy department standpoint. And then another thing is really doing some specific education on clinical topics or on, on pharmacy, pharmaceutical topics with the technicians so that the technicians are working the IV room, they understand like the reason why these drugs are stat that we're doing is because this this is what these drugs do and this is why they're needed. So we've actually tied and kind of a layered learning model tied some of our PGY1 residents to do education in with our technicians and we found that to be somewhat helpful anyways but still definitely a work in progress. Jeff I'm really glad you mentioned that sometimes it's the smallest things that make the biggest impact so it doesn't always have to be something expensive it's just someone saying you know what I noticed you're a team player and I really appreciate that. I worked with a pharmacist that was very good at knowing what each of the technicians really liked. Mine happens to be polka dots. So anytime she saw polka dots, she would buy me a little, you know, even when it was a pencil, it made such a difference in my day. So I think there's many opportunities to help technicians feel valued, to say that you appreciate them and that you know that the work that they do every day sometimes is not being recognized, but you can recognize them in small ways. I think the other thing that this survey gives the administrators a great opportunity for is to be very careful about their selection for technician supervisors. Many times I see someone promoted that's a good individual contributor. You know, they can do anything, but that doesn't always mean that they're adept at being a manager. What technicians need is someone that motivates them, someone that inspires them, someone that helps them build their skills, that helps them grow to feel better about themselves. You know, all those things are really important. And I think that this survey really shows that that should be a very distinct consideration when technician supervisors are chosen. Cindy, you're making me think about some of our staff meetings where we spend a lot of time talking at our staff instead of with them, just because of all the compliance and other stuff we've got to communicate. But listening is something we may need to do a little bit more of. And you do that certainly when there's a crisis and, and people are upset about things and you get your whiteboards out and you write down everything people say and you try to give it back to them. Is this what 
this is what I heard is this what you said. But I think as leaders, we have an opportunity to maybe listen a little bit more. The other things we've been working on is just making sure we have relationships. So if you've got a buddy at work, I think you're 60% more likely to stay in the job. You know, if you've got a relationship with, with a coworker, that's a personal relationship. And then the other thing we've really tried to focus on is, is just having fun. Uh, we had a beach day that where we decorated the conference room like a beach and had trivia contests, had speed counting contests for the technicians to come in and had prizes with that. And we try to do things like that once a month now just to get away from the central pharmacy where we're running a million doses through the place a month just to try to have a little downtime. It, I think it helps. I think to both of your point on the recognition, what I have found is it is important for leaders to recognize staff of what you've done, but there are so many things that I don't even know that staff have done. And then you get into almost a bind of, I've recognized one person, but then I, I didn't know that someone else did basically the same thing. And then I didn't say anything about them. And so we we actually started a, a peer-to-peer recognition. And it can be at either the beginning of the staff meeting or at the end of the staff meeting. And we call it above and beyond the call of duty or an ABCD. Does anybody have an ABCD for a peer? And then you find all sorts of things. And it, it can be anywhere from, you know, something big of you did a, a poster at a, at a meeting to thank you for cleaning out the fridge, the staff fridge with all the food, which is definitely an ABCD um, if you've ever had to do that. But it just allows you to say, thank you for, you know, I was, I was sick last week and, you know, I know people covered for me and I really appreciate it. The things that, and things I just wouldn't know um, that somebody had a really big load of syringes and the, the people from bags came over and helped them and without anybody having to ask. So I do think the recognition is a huge part. And then also making sure that it's not just a leader recognition program, that it's actually a peer-to-peer recognition program. Regarding technician motivation to stay or leave a job, the top three factors technicians responded were one, higher pay, two, retention bonuses, and three, career ladder with clear pathways to promotion. Interested in your reflections on those findings, what options are you considering and are there any pros and cons to those options that you're considering? Yeah, Hannah, great question. There's so many, I think, options for strategies right now. And I I don't know that we have it fully figured out of which one is maybe the best, but some of them that certainly are out there, you know, you have sign-on bonuses. And I think we've brought up even at the beginning of this podcast that there are pros and cons to that. And for me, it depends how that sign-on bonus is marketed. So if it's only marketed, well, if if you don't put it out with the job posting, and the only time that people find out about it is when they accept the job offer, that doesn't really solve your problem. Because what you're trying to do with the sign-on bonus is get more applicants actually in the door that are excited about that. The con is that now you have, like as Mark mentioned earlier, you've got staff that have been here and they didn't have the opportunity to do that sign-on bonus. You'll always have the case where if I were to do a sign-on bonus starting today, the person that I hired yesterday didn't get a sign-on bonus. And then they're going to find out about it and say, why not me? 
And so there are certainly sign-on bonuses. We've talked through the career ladders. I think the retention bonuses from a short-term standpoint can be helpful, but they're not the long-term silver bullet. And you're going to still have, if I start at the organization today, and then in six months, you give me a retention bonus, but it was really the one, it's a one-time thing and the institution just going to do it once. Well, in another six months, I'm going to say, where's my retention bonus? Hey, I stayed again. It, it, that's not going to help. That's not going to be helpful in the long term. So I do think we've seen all of those options, but there's there's definitely pros and cons to each of them. Well, you know, on the flip side, Lindsay, is if you offer a hiring bonus, sign-on bonus, and you pay it out, you know, within a couple of weeks of the person starting, and then they get through their three months orientation and they realize they're not a good fit for the job, right. you don't have quite to claw that back. I mean, I guess you do, but it's it would not bury you in good stead. You know, we talk about all this. I, I agree with you. It's a multi-pronged process, but I think something Lindsay Kelly said earlier really resonated with me. We have to be able to pay a living wage. Many of our communities in our urban areas, cost of living, as was mentioned, is so high. People have to live three counties away and drive, you know, an hour each way to, to get to a job. And, you know, with inflation continuing to rise, gas prices continuing to rise, I mean, we're actually looking at, you know, how we can give people gas money now just to help them get to work and pay for transportation and parking. Because, you know, if you're at a university, if you don't have a parking pay deal, there's no parking for patients because everybody parks <laughs> next to the hospital. So I just think it's got to be multifactorial. You've got to have a lot of different strategies because, again, as we've said numerous times, there's not one silver bullet. I think that's really important. And so thank you for the, the call out. That was great. That was a shout out. The thing that I was also thinking about, I think when we talk about it, even in our leadership circles, we are very consistent and the data bears us out around bonuses and the way that they are not as effective as we want them to be. And I think what really, as I was thinking about this, the content for this podcast, what really struck me was an article in the Washington Post from March of this year. And if you look at the results of that, opinion piece and you align them with the survey results that we have, they are well aligned. The two top most things that came out of that survey, it's like why the top reasons people leave were pay and advancement. And it, it didn't talk about bonuses per se, but it talked about like actual like the wages that can sustain a family. And specifically some of the stories they talked about in that article talked about people leaving because there's less of or no commute people leaving because they could make better pay for less hours. And specifically, one of the, the you know, highlights talked about a gentleman who, you know, really, I think, adequately and accurately described what I see in our technician staff and maybe even more staff. I just feel like it's really highlighted with our technicians is around like, you know, leaving before your kids are even awake in the morning, driving, you know, 45, 130 minutes, however long it is you leave, you work your full day, you get home, you're, you might get dinner with your kids. And so we've even seen, and this is probably true across the board, but I can think of specific employees on my team where I've seen them take different shifts and just work in, in very creative ways just to get their schedule so they can see their kids and see their families and do those kinds of things. So I think we have to, we have to think about these things or else we can expect that our workers will continue to leave where they can solve those problems. I think the on the other side of that, I mean, I think we talked about a lot about the commute and parking, which are real issues. I mean, gases and prices are 
real right now. I think the other side that I'm starting to see is that we've also had requests from technicians that are working at home and that they also should make more money because they're using their utilities more, that they have to buy their desk equipment. They're having, we might supply the IT equipment, but for new staff, you know, they've got, they got to get a chair uh, that you're going to basically sit in for a third of your entire day and all of that, those pieces and make sure that you've got a quiet space. And, you know, if you go into work, you're not having to, to use all those same utilities at home. So I think it's, there's the commute and there are issues when you have to go in and then there's being sort of new issues in the virtual space that I think we're also going to have to try and tackle. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is part of a four-part series titled ASHP Pharmacy Technician Shortage Survey Reflections from the Pharmacy Technician Forum and Section of Pharmacy Practice Leaders Executive Committees. To hear more from ASHP, subscribe to ASHP Official for more Technician Tuesday podcasts. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.